you know it's almost spring? Like, that completely snuck up on me. I just looked at the calendar and it's just like, yeah, spring's next week or the week after. Just like, oh, 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 okay. Yeah, it's one of those things where I feel like January was like a decade. Yeah, really. And then, and then February, a, bl- a mere blink in the eye. When you're when you're in the middle of the seasonal depre- the seasonal affective disorder uh, cloud, it feels like it's really never going to end. And then all of a sudden, it's March, and we're getting a little bit less snow, although we've still got some to come. And uh, we're just a little bit closer to more sunny and warmer days. Well, I, I saw a chart that was, and this is not going to matter to 99% of the listeners that don't <laughs> live here in Halifax, Nova Scotia, but I saw a chart that was like, um, the it, it's like the sonic cycle, but for weather in Halifax. Uh-huh. Uh, and according to that chart, we are in something called Fool's Spring. Oh, uh, which yes. Is, which is the fake spring, uh, and then it's going to get really cold again, and then real spring will come. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I've, I've been through fool's spring enough to, like, I think there's something to that, so you're right. <laughs> Shouldn't get my hopes up too, too much, but uh, I'll be interested to see if we can, uh, if we can uh, hopefully get towards a bit of warmer weather, but yeah, I should definitely not uh, take it for granted. Welcome, everybody. Uh, I hope it's warm where you are or, you know, just comfortable enough. This is uh, Elwood City Limits. My name is Will Young, and that's uh, Lucas Mancini, my co-host. That's me. Yeah, uh, so we've got ourselves uh, actually a little bit of a lighter week in terms of we only have one email in the in, in the mailbag, so it's going to be well, a let's, little... Let's get into it. I wanna, we're going to give this, this sole email the due diligence it deserves, you know, as our as our one communique, it's going to get some extra special attention from yours truly. Now, of course, this was for the episode where you you weren't here, uh, <laughs> ironically. But you know what? That's uh, even I'm I'm using 110 percent of my brain. I took the limitless pill because uh, I'm about to answer questions that have nothing to do with me. <laughs> what a reference! Did did you see Limitless when it came out? Not only did I not see Limitless. <laughs> Uh, I also have not seen the short-lived Limitless, List the TV series. TV series, right. Limitless. Let me just, I just really quick, just want to really quick want to see how many episodes of Limitless, the TV show. You want to guess if there's more than one season of Limitless, the TV show? I already know the answer because I just Googled it, but my, I'll tell you my original guess was there was not more than one season yeah, of I'm the gonna, Limitless TV I'm show. I'm going to guess there's 12 episodes. No, no, a little bit more. It's network TV, baby. Eight, this 18. is not prestige 18. TV. So there's actually 22 whopping episodes All right. of, you know, the way the internet, like, the, oh my gosh, the passing of time is really crazy, Will. So first of all, <laughs> let me tell you something about Limitless. Uh-huh. The film Limitless yeah. came out nine years ago. <laughs> so 2011? 2011. Yeah, that sounds like a 2011 almost, movie. It's almost a bit a decade since the movie Limitless. I was in high school when Limitless came out. That's crazy. I was actually uh, I was exiting university. And then uh, Limitless, the TV show, predates the Trump presidency, coming out April 26, 2016. Don't know what made them think that you know five years later, time to really like cash in on that. Uh, you know all the big limit heads out there. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're we would be in the middle of the Obama salad days in that one. Yeah, that's um. Oh my gosh! I've also this I've is, also I've also I, I'm never getting seen like limitless. I'm getting sucked into this limitless okay. Wikipedia page well, for limitless the series. It's like uh, apparently it's a nootropic drug. 
they they uh, they, so, they specify. So it makes you poop. Z- so it just makes you poop yourself. You you unlock ten percent no, of your. You, you unlock the other ninety percent of your brain, and you can't stop pooping yourself. It's it's like uh, yeah, Joe Rogan's talking about if you don't like caveman coffee, on it has all kinds of great products such as the Limitless Pill. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's head over to that email we talked about so we can dig ourselves out of this limitless hole. Uh, over at ElvisCityLimits at gmail.com, that's where we get all kinds of communiques from listeners such as yourself about, uh, about many different topics. And this one has to do with last week's episode uh, that, that I did with Andrew Power of the Samurai Pizza Cast. It's from Michelle. Hey, guys, greetings again. Was listening to your latest episode. Wanted to let you know that if you're ever in New Jersey, you have to try our tomatoes. I know that taking a bite out of a tomato like it's an apple sounds unappealing. Mm -hmm. But here in New Jersey, we are known for the sweetest tomatoes and corn you will ever eat. It's called the Garden State for a reason. I have fond memories of picking ripe tomatoes out of my dad's garden when I was little and eating them like apples. If you try them, you have to get them from a farmer's market or something because they are not the same from the grocery store. Also, if you do ever make your way here, make sure you also try our pizza, bagels, and Taylor ham, egg, and cheese sandwiches. I know you may not know what Taylor ham is, but trust me, it's to die for. Um, Michelle also says that uh, they caught up on the episodes since they started listening eight months ago, listening in real time. Kind of miss binging them on my commute to and from work each day. Well, thank you, Michelle. Yeah, so Lucas, we were talking about how inherently well, frankly, disgusting. Uh, eating raw tomatoes like a like a piece of fruit that you get out of the fridge is, but maybe maybe that's uh, maybe that's more of a regional thing that I gave it credit for. No, no. Well, you see, uh, you see what happens when the the inmates were running out the asylum in my absence when it comes to food <laughs> opinions. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Because I too. Am an eat a tomato like an apple guy. No. Yes, uh, uh, Will. My Mediterranean blood, it flows with my Nana's sauce. Oh, it's pure okay. marinara. Let me tell you something. What, what you know about olives, Will? You don't know nothing about olives, okay? Well, olives you gotta are, be. You're supposed to eat. You're supposed to eat them like that. I'm just saying that's all. It's all that Mediterranean diet, baby. And and do you know what's in that diet is uh, a GD tomato. Right off the vine, huh. juicy as all hell. Huh. Well, you know, you know, I, I'm and not. You don't, su- got your, you don't got your buddy to back you up on this one. He's <laughs> <laughs> it's your friend too. That's true. I know. I know. Um. No, I don't. I mean, you know. Uh, if we get to forty patrons, I'll eat a tomato like an apple. Wow. No, there kidding. we go. I'm, I love I, how like the Patreon goals always seem to be you torturing yourself, whether yeah. it's the Sonic movie or fruit. I give good uh, I give good reactions. I know that I know that about <laughs> myself. I'm only I'm only half serious about that. But you know what? If we do hit a if we do hit like a milestone on Patreon or maybe Twitter or something at some point, I'll I'll, I'll I'll give that a try. You know, it's 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 one tomato. It won't hurt me. It's just it's just I don't know. It just seems weird. But you know what? I thought about I thought that I thought it was weird before I uh, mixed Crown Royal with Sprite, and that is actually really really good. So you know what? Oh. Maybe I'm missing out. That uh, uh, ooh, I don't know about that. Oh no, dude, it's I great. Like, I don't like Crown Royal. I don't like. First of all, I don't like really like mixed drinks with pop like and uh, then secondly uh. i don't really like crown royal so all right 
Well, it's yeah. if, if you're into that sort of thing, would recommend. Or, you know, any Does type that have, of... like, a kitschy name? No, I just uh... turned it in a country song one time, and I was oh. like, that can't be good. And it turns out that, it wa- <laughs> that, in my opinion, it was. Like, did you know the real name of a vodka crayon? This is one of my favorite... Uh... No, uh, sort no, of. I only know it as vodka cran. That's right, right. You go to, a, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that if you went to a bar and ordered this, the person would call you an hole, uh, because the, everybody just says vodka cran. But apparently, it's called a Cape Cod or a Cape Codder. Really? Huh? Yeah. I've never had vodka cran before. I'm not much for cranberry. What? Whoa! <laughs> That's my go-to, bro. Okay. You roll up. You roll up. Get a listen. I, I, um. Maturity, Will, is all about uh, not being shamed for what you like. You know what I mean? And I think we, we talk a little <laughs> yeah, bit about yeah. that actually leads us into this Arthur episode we're about to talk about a little bit. Uh, you know, people will try and tell you, um, you know, people who I, I don't value their opinion will say things like, uh, a vodka crayon is a girl's drink. And to, oh, that yeah, say, what, uh, to that I say, hell yeah that's a compliment as far as i'm concerned lucas you're, um, t- you're talking to somebody who i bought a whole bottle of girls night out uh mimosa oh, m- m- mimosa oh, yeah it tastes look the girls it, night out stuff is foul look it smelled like pee but i drank it because i was curious and i don't care that it said girls on it but yeah it, did, like- it smelled like pee it was weird we're, we're way off topic this week, but you know what? We don't have very many emails, and I feel like we're not going to actually have that much to say about these episodes, so that's fine. Yeah, it's all uh, good. On, on that note, uh, uh, I feel like this is Girls' Night Out adjacent. It's like the Girls' Night Out for guys. Have you seen this, like, the bar stool, like, pink vodka that's been going around? Oh, the like the, the hockey one? Yeah, the spit and chiclets one. I, yeah. I've been at, I've been at con- like, two house parties since that came out, and it always makes an appearance. And that stuff is foul. I'm sorry. Oh, really? I'm sorry, everybody who's hyping it up. But I'm not like, I'm not like a sugary drink guy. Like I mm-hmm. like I like the the vodka sodas, like the the blue. Again, this is not because gonna matter because to they're not because they're here. not because they're distinctly not sugary. Like because they're not sweet. Exactly. Yeah. Like I like okay. a mixed drink that isn't overly sweet. So that that pink vodka stuff is like, oh, I thought it was grody grody. Um, this is all to say that uh, a double vodka crayon is. A is just nice. Double rocket crayon in a short glass. Hello. I, I I do like a little bit more sh- a little bit more sugar. Uh, there's only so much kind of bitter I can take in my drink. That's but but there's also like I have a limit to sugar. There was a while when I over here in uh, Nova Scotia when you turn 19 you're able to start drinking and when I did I you know my first my gateway drink was uh, Mike's Hard Lemonade and you know it's various. Uh, yeah, various things there, and also um, around the time when Smirnoff Ice was really popular, I drank that for a while, and then after a while, I was just like, "This is too much sugar," so yeah, I, I had like to kind of stop. Smirnoff Ice leaves like a film on my teeth. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's not it's not so good these days, but I still like a little bit of sugar. I was curious about that pink uh, spit and chiclets <laughs> thing, but maybe but, I'll uh, maybe I'll save my money. Maybe, or maybe you know you might like it, Will, and then That's, we could have like a, a mm. like we'll have you eat a tomato and then wash it down with the spit and chiclets <laughs> pig vodka. Wow. Stay tuned. Now, that, now that's a Caesar <laughs> if I ever did hear one. Okay. On that disgusting note, uh, let us let me let me cleanse my palate by taking a look at our list of patrons here on patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits who have made such things as the Sonic the Hedgehog review possible, which, uh, which actually came out last week. Um, 
And if you haven't heard, there is a free preview of it on this very feed. It's about five minutes of our over an hour long review, which you can check out. But our patrons have heard the whole thing. And then that includes patrons like Aaron DeFilippo, Alex, Andrew Power, one of our esteemed guests, Caitlin Harrington, Chandra LaFave Boten, Christine Wong, Sierra S, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Emily K, Froppy, Ian Collis, Jake Bailey, Joe Sue, John DeLong, John Griswold, Josias Melendez, Kat and Kaylin Krogall, Kevin Noon, Kristen, Leanne S, Light Relentless, Macy Ball, Madow Media, Marlo Stanfield, Matt, Michaela Gibson, Pretty Cool Stairs, Rachel Pearson, Riley Stevens, Shayna Bennett, Shelby Eden Dawkins Law, Stella, Teresa, William, and William, Minnesota. Thanks, everybody. And it's time for us to get into this episode of Arthur, which is indeed all about liking what you like. In fact, it's called Lights, Camera, Opera. Had no idea what this was, but uh, it's a Muffy episode. It's a straight-up Muffy episode. And in, in fact, we do get started on this note right away when Arthur's cold open is all about there seems to be things that adults like and things that kids like, and never the twain and, and, shall meet. And, and and immediately is this episode dated. That was like this episode predates Marvel movies. <laughs> I was like, I feel like oh, this is so. This has been less true now than ever, in terms of like we just have this er culture where yeah. everybody likes everything. It couldn't have it couldn't have predicted the shift in popular culture towards like well nostalgia and yeah. uh, you know pandering at times or at least uh, capitalizing on people's childhood memories and how from, a lot of our entertainers from yeah. bronies to Marvel to Marvel uh, to video adults, game movies adults be out here liking kids stuff exactly Detective uh, Pikachu Sonic the Hedgehog yeah uh, Arthur. A podcast about Arthur from two adults. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we are we are part of this culture that apparently doesn't exist when this episode aired. Yes, I I adults liking adult stuff and kids liking kid stuff uh, has never been less true. <laughs> That's yeah, it's you're absolutely right. And Arthur's kind of in this art gallery, and the whole thing is that like, well, adults like art and kids. Not so much. Uh, One of his examples of what adults like is his mom and his dad took him to see a movie called Il Stranieri, which is uh, Italian for the foreigners. I looked it up and they have this like amazing. It's so great. Their vague description of the ending of this fake Italian movie. It it sounds like Evangeline. Do you think do you think so? Yeah, because it's like Evangeline's about like. They never meet each other, like, well, they fall in love, and they're separated, but then, like, they spend their whole lives, like, almost just missing each other, and then they, like, you know what I mean? That's, like, how Evangeline goes. Okay. Um, I'm not a big, you know, I'm not a big Van head or anything, but (laughs) I I believe that is how they plot. And so Arthur's parents are sort of waxing poetic about, like, oh, these, like, two strangers who never meet and that's why it's so sad. And Arthur's taking it literally. He's like, I don't get it. He just put the coin in the fountain and walked away. <laughs> and um, just, I, I just his brain isn't see... developed to to understand the subtext at that point. I was disappointed to see this wasn't a real movie, though. But I I, I do really like this gag. Like you could in, insert this with like any European. Like you know, it could be eight and a half. It could be uh uh, you know, it could be breathless. Uh, you show like 
some kid some hoity-toity foreign film they're probably not gonna like it yeah for sure and i like i said i really liked the vague description of like what happens at the end like you could do that with almost any like uh, art film yeah. of the last 50 years and like it doesn't it, it's not nearly as effective if you explain it than if you actually experience it so i liked their kind of thinking that up uh, Muffy, Muffy is in the cold open here and she comes across a painting in this fictional art gallery and she says, I love, I love how it expresses the dialectic between form and formlessness, <laughs> just really struggling with it. I thought that was really funny. And so this whole thing is kind of based around how, and, and like at the end, Mr. Crosswire buys the art piece and, um, you know, Muffy pretends that she loves it, but she doesn't really understand it. So the entire plot of this episode comes across pretty early. Muffy is given uh, tickets to what she thinks is the boy band. It was like Teen Dream or something like that. Oh, I don't remember. I wish. Yeah, I I forgot to write that down. B4-4. But she. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she thinks that it's. Uh, tickets to a boy band but actually it's tickets to the opera Carmen which I found a little odd I didn't you know Ed Crosswire and the Crosswires are obviously like rich but I didn't think that Ed Crosswire the owner of a used car lot is like go to the opera rich well I mean you know well that's I have two kind of takes on that first of all he definitely is go to the opera rich you've seen the man's house true uh, true uh, he's probably the most successful used car salesman alive. He's probably the most cultured used car salesman well, alive, too. Well, so, so that's my second point is I do think they can afford it because look at their, you know, their McMansion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think, I think Ed Crosswire maybe isn't so much going to the opera because he likes it. He's going to the opera to be seen. A, stat- you know what I mean? a, a status symbol, yeah. Exactly. Okay. But as we kind of find out later, I think he does engage with it on some level. And Muffy's mother is also very much like, oh, I love the opera. And, uh, uh, Rodney Gilfrey is uh, is performing. I wish I could go. So they do seem to enjoy it on some level. But yeah, I could I could definitely see that as well. So Muffy's kind of not sold on it. She's never real doesn't even really know what opera is. So she goes to get a new dress with Francine and Prunella. By the way, did we have we encountered Prunella's new voice before? I'm not sure. I didn't even notice that it had changed. We we see yeah. Prunella, so not uh, though. You know what? OG Prunella has a pretty distinct voice. So yeah, it's, uh, I guess it's a little, it's, the new person did a good job. It's a little bit sharper. Um, it's not bad. This new voice isn't bad. I just kind of prefer the old one, but it's close enough that it's not uh, offensive or anything. So Prunella is like explaining while Muffy is getting a new dress of like you know operas are like four hours long. I fell asleep in the first act, then woke up in the third act, and then there was a whole other act. So Muffy's like, I'm gonna be. She's worried she's gonna be, you know, bored to tears during this, and um, this actually leads to her uh, asking Bailey. Uh, to sing her a bit of opera, we get some Bruce Dinsmore as Bailey, which I really enjoy his performance. It's so different from both Dad and Binky. It's you know kind of the affected uh, British take on it, and he does yes. sing a little bit of opera, which is very impressive. No, Bailey continues to be a delight. Uh, so it, she ends up having a dream that night of her uh, going to go see the opera and then accidentally falling asleep and. Uh, kind of being embarrassed when even the opera performers themselves notice. Um, 
there are different there are different parts in this in this episode. I wrote this note at this point before we even got to uh, the explicit Carmen parts, and I was and I said, I wonder how tough or how fun it was to write an actual part of an opera. Because mm. you can tell by kind of listening to it that the the opera they, in Muffy's Dream, which is called The Barber of the Valkyries, um, is it's just kind of like Italian words just kind of sung. Like, and I don't know if they necessarily say anything. Oh, so it's not uh, it's not based on the because re- the 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 lady in this is really showing my my uncultured side. So apologies because I'm about to get a bunch of things wrong. Um, but the lady in like the, for lack of a better term, like Viking gear or whatever. Yeah, the Valkyrie. Uh, yeah, the the titular Valkyrie. Um, I had recognized her as like you know the the famous phrase. It's not over till the fat lady sings. Yes. Usually in in pop culture, uh, when people are showing uh, uh, kind of lampooning opera or like there has to be a part where someone sees opera, you always see that kind of get up and outfit, and that, that's kind of where that that phrase comes from. It's not over till the fat lady sings. So I just assumed this was from like the real life opera. I don't know if I like I feel like this is a joke on an opera. I don't know if it's re- like the barber of the Valkyries just kind of sounds uh s- silly. So I assume <laughs> that this was fake. But then again, I know very little about opera. Um the next day at school, we actually get of okay. course I'm I'm uh just okay. Just I I'm thank God for uh the internet because we are going to um, What's happening? We're, we're we're figuring out if this opera's real, baby. Oh, okay. Sorry the the t- the tone of voice you took. I was like, oh, did your did your mic stop working or did your no? Oh no, it? it's just I'm deadly serious about uh getting to the bottom of this. But it turns out that figuring out if this is real is actually um slightly more involved than I had originally. Uh, believed. Okay, so it's not over till the fat lady sings is not referring to a specific opera. It turns out, like, usually the heavier set lady in olden times was the one with the best voice, and so she would have a big solo at the end, and a Valkyrie is a popular, uh, sort of, uh, uh, character type in these older opera. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Will... Me and you were really learning with this one. Just you and I and all the children watching this PBS show. It's really getting a, a hefty, heaping dose of culture. Well, and I wonder if we have any uh, any of our listeners who are a bit more knowledgeable about opera. I'm sure we'll hear from them once this episode goes up, and we welcome that. Yes, please do. Please explain. I'll tell you who does know about opera, and that's Binky Barnes. Uh, the next day at school... Uh, he overhears that Muffy is going to go see Carmen, and Binky says, "You know, it's a pl- it's a it's an opera about you know revenge, betrayal, and deceit. It's sort of like professional wrestling, but set to great music." To which I was like, "Binky, you got to go on YouTube and watch some WWF Desire videos." I, I was just going to say, wrestling set to great music. I was just going to say, Binky has obviously never seen the uh, WWF My Sacrifice <laughs> video because that is exactly what he, d- Desire Betrayal uh, 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 Deceits. Uh, it's all there. Uh, yeah, and in a in a comfortable three and a half minute package. Exactly. The history obviously, of the, w- the history of the WWF set to Lonely Road of Faith by Kid Rock. Exactly. Now that's obviously, obviously that's Binky has never heard Randy Orton's first theme. <laughs> hey, nothing you can say. <laughs> so good. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
So Bro, Bicky Bicky knows nothing of basic thugonomics. <laughs> Uh, Binky knows a, he's he's basically he's interacted with Carmen before. Um, also, I I read Carmen in university. Uh, it is it is indeed very good. Humble flex. Yeah, uh, and <laughs> Binky is kind of explaining ends up explaining the the plot of Carmen to Muffy after school while they listen to the album, and it's you know it's about this um, soldier who falls in love with this woman. Uh, didn't want to say the G slur, uh, named Carmen, and <laughs> he kind of gets around to it, and then and then in the end, well, bad stuff happens. You don't need to. We we'll get to that part, and it's like yeah, because Carmen is killed in the end. So Binkley kind of Binkley kind of steps around that. I remember they did that in an earlier episode with Romeo and Juliet. They're just like yeah, it doesn't turn out well for them. <laughs> And it's just, just like, like just, yeah, yeah, just, just that, and that's I think a graceful way of kind of uh, acknowledging. Like, I, I would love to see an Arthur like adaptation of like Reservoir Dogs or something, where they're just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's just say it, uh, it doesn't work out for most of them. Yeah, um, and this is where we get so Binky puts on the CD of an opera performance of Carmen. And like they and I wrote here, oh my god, they're doing Carmen. Like you kind of, you're probably familiar with like the tune of yeah. Like, that's the, I recognize the tune and so on and so forth. So you probably heard that in like maybe a commercial or a backing musical track before. But they literally like take a couple of the parts of Carmen and write it around this kind of imaginative dream that Muffy has, where she is Carmen and uh, Binky is the other, like, the male main character. And you know what? All this stuff is delightful. Like, the stuff with, like, Buster and George singing and all the stuff with Binky. Like, this stuff's really fun. I agree. I did. I really liked this. And even even for me, as someone who was not as like I knew the tune, like you said, but I'm not that familiar with the source material. uh, I, I still enjoyed this quite a bit. I'm really curious to talk to some to talk to people who did this episode, because I wondered what this was like to sing and to write. Like, because, because they're not, like, you know, doing the full-on, uh, you know, opera baritone, that kind of thing. They're singing normally, but I wondered what it was like to interact with Carmen in this way, and if it was challenging to write, because it's hard to kind of retrofit your lyrics into a pre-existing melody, you know? Like, it doesn't fit all the way, but it's, it's, it's still very interesting, and I was really, cl- I was really glad that they were trying. Uh, and the, I, I also said the staging of this with all of the, you know, kind of l- like the dingy setting, the, the soldiers, uh, the women in dresses reminded me of the Le, the Les Mis movie. The most I know I, one. it's funny. I've been, uh, uh, what with the, uh, American election, uh, I've been thinking about the Les Mis movie a lot lately and watching a bunch really? of scenes from the Les Mis movie. Um, uh, you know, have you heard the people sing, singing the songs of oh, Angry Men? as, as in the, the, revol- uh, and, the revolution and, aspect. Uh, it. and I, uh, uh, it, that's, it reminded me that of that as well. And I was like, it, it, in fact, I had a very similar thought where it's like, whoo, I'd love to see, you know, an Arthur take on Les Mis. That'd be fun. Yes, me too. I feel like, did we talk about Les Mis last week? Well, eh... <laughs> Maybe recently. I, I I remember you doing the Russell Crowe voice, like, very recently. Oh, yeah, well, you, that's, I mean, you basically just, 
say Russell Crowe in my presence, and then it goes to that. Okay, so like Binky's Val- Binky's Valjean, obviously, Ooh. and uh, DW is probably Cosette. Oh, so so Mr. Rappard's got to be the the Russell Crowe Javert. Uh, yeah, Javert. Yes. Yeah, um, these actually fit pretty easily in there. Uh, Francine would be. I'm sorry, I don't know the names. Francine's like the girl that's getting. Uh, uh, you know, she's simping out. She's the one that like likes the guy, but she's getting ignored. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. And sorry, I'm looking up the characters now. I'm sorry. Ooh, ooh! The Tibbles are like the two gross people that have that like one song that's like ba ba da ba da 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 da. You know that's or or like or like D W and someone else would be those two, right? So you're thinking of Eponine and D W is Cosette, which means that Mom Reed would be Fontaine, the Anne Hathaway role, or maybe hmm. We uh we also we also need a we also need a Marius. Hmm. I'm starting to I'm starting to draw a blank. I yeah. again I don't know the character names that well. I just know them as their actors in the adaptation. <laughs> the um the what's the what's his name? The guy who sounds like he's got a frog in his throat. Uh uh the guy who was in Jupiter Rising or Jupiter Ascending. Oh gosh. But that, that's uh that sure doesn't help me. I keep wanting uh, to say I keep wanting to say Alfie. No, it's not Alfie. It's uh, I'm sorry. The, the, listen, you're, like, you're probably going crazy yelling at your podcast. Of I'm really trying this here. Is, this is a wild one, Will. We're talking about Limitless. We're talking about Jupiter Ascending. Eddie Red. Oh, Eddie Ascending. Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Red- I love. Oh my. <laughs> I, he's in that movie. Yeah, he's Marius. He's like the main one of the main. No, male no, no. Roles. He's a Jupiter ascending. Yeah, he's the bad guy. Dude, I know him as like I don't know. Uh, uh, uh. Fantastic oh Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yeah, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, or the the um Stephen Hawking movie. Oh yeah. Um, the Danish girl. The Danish girl. I forgot. Man. I should watch Jupiter Ascending. I bet for the same reason for the same reason I bet I would like cats, I bet I would love Jupiter Ascending. Oh dude, I got like 10 minutes into cats and I'm like this isn't even fun, bad. This is just awful. <laughs> couldn't like I couldn't do it. I uh, see for some reason I trust your you have good taste, Will, but for some reason I'm inclined not to believe you. <laughs> well, it's I mean and hey, like Jen and I Did you watched... see what was that other crazy Warchowski movie? What's the one where Tom Hanks is like a bunch of different people? Oh, uh, Cloud Atlas. Did you like Cloud Atlas? Never saw it. I read some of the book for school once, and I don't remember it at all. I've only seen like reviews of Cloud Atlas. Um, and for what it's worth, I don't like Jupiter Ascending. That was also like I'm more bored than having fun at how bad this is. Jenna loved it. She thought it was a hoot. Did you so, see Alita Battle Angel? You know what? I actually just watched it last week. Well, okay. well, again, I'm glad that we don't have that much to talk about this week because we're all <laughs> over the place. Um, what did you think of Alita? I, I, so full disclosure, I did fall asleep two-thirds of the way through that movie because I think I had done an all-nighter the night before I watched it. But I saw oh, it in theaters. You missed um, the other seven plots they were trying to cram into that thing. Well, so that's the crazy thing about that movie is that it is uh, uh, frame by frame, picture perfect, accurate to the manga. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why it feels so crazy is because 
it's like chapters one, two, and three of the manga, and then they're like, and now we want to do the racing part, because that's what people know about from the manga, so we're going to skip to chapter 12. Right. Uh, that being said, as you know, as much as the acting was kind of bad, and the writing was kind of bad, uh, and like you said, it, they, they try to put too much in it, I was delighted the whole time, because I was like, man... The whole time movies you were like, awake. Movie th- movies like, oh, the whole time I was awake, I was like, movies like this do not get made anymore. And it is great that this movie's gotten made. I, I, The whole time I was like, I can't believe these madmen made this freaking movie. I was like, I can't believe like a man in a studio whose whole job is to be like, I need to make money off films, was like, yeah, here's somebody for this movie. <laughs> so I was just delighted by the, the insanity and the chaos. But it turns out it worked out, because that movie was big in Asia, so... Uh, but I, I liked it. I thought it was all right. Like, I definitely saw that from the outside when it first came out, and I'm like, that looks like garbage. And I feel like a lot of, well, I feel like a lot of reactions to stuff these days are very extreme from the from the outset of, like, they want to make you think that it's the best or it's the worst. And it's, and it's definitely neither of those things, but I wouldn't say it's even necessarily all that bad. You know, it's funny. You say it it's like a movie that doesn't get made anymore. I felt like it was, you know, there's you know, there's some violence in there. There's a, you know, a few swears and all that kind of stuff, but I felt like this is a great like baby's first PG-13 movie. Ooh, I thought that this 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 is good for like somebody who is maybe 10. Like it's a, like it's a little bit above their maturity level but it's also inviting enough with like there's action scenes and everything looks really um visually interesting and there's like a simple enough story you can follow that like if you saw that when you if i saw that when i was younger if i was like 11 or 12 and i saw that i'd probably think that was the best movie i ever saw man like, oh, I, I i think that's so many times like when i watched guardians of the galaxy i was like oh if i was like if i was nine when i saw this movie it'd be my favorite movie in the world sure. um but yeah like it turns out this episode of elwood city limits is the middling science fiction cast what was that episode <laughs> what was that movie where the guy goes to mars <laughs> The Disney the one, one the, the, where they spent a bajillion dollars and nobody saw it. Oh, John Carter. John Carter. Did you ever see John Carter? No, but friends of mine did, and they were like the only people in the theater. <laughs> I feel like I, did I think not. I've just realized that I like I love stupid science fiction movies. I think I'm I've, I'm turning into like a boober dad <laughs> who just watches reruns of TNG and terrible science fiction films because I feel like they don't make stupid science fiction movies anymore i i should go see john carter because i bet i would like it what was uh um oh gosh there was another one recently that the the john luke Passat movie uh, oh uh, Val- with, valerian and the city I bet, th- I bet i'd love that movie <laughs> I, bet, I, I bet i'd be like delighted by how like silly that movie looks probably i mean that's I, it's funny you say that there is a lot of like science fiction has to be a certain way right now so there's not a whole lot of those you know those wide swings that we used to see when we were younger of like you know like thinking about like a movie like Event Horizon. I'm not crazy about Event Horizon, but Ooh, like a, I I love Event Horizon. I know, and I'm in, I'm in the minority on that. But like a sci-fi horror film like that that just goes buck wild is really rare because a lot of times science fiction is now we have to do with a bit more like serious science fiction with like uh, Interstellar or to a lesser degree on the seriousness at Astra and stuff or like that. Or like The Martian, you're right. It's all yeah. kind of like gravity tier. And um, but yes. you know what? We're going to yeah. buck that trend this December. My most anticipated film of the year, uh, Dune. 
Oh yeah, yeah. You've be, you're you've become a big Dune head this I, year. I I'm I. I'm in love with it. I'm all about Dune. I'm following like Dune concept art, like Twitter accounts. I'm like yeah. reading the book. I'm 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 all in on Star. Uh, friendship ended with Star Wars. My new be- let me introduce <laughs> you to my new best friend, Dune. Well, and uh, Denis Villeneuve. Yes, the the best director that you could pick for that. I rewatched Blade Runner 2049 recently. I love that movie so much. It's so good. It looks so beautiful <laughs> oh my god i love it so much and i'm like i'm not even that big a fan of the original blade runner i love 2049 so much more than the original which i feel like i'm in the minority for anyway back to carmen <laughs> yes all because i said that the staging reminds me of the Les Mis movie anyway the, <laughs> gi- the gist of muffy's like muffy's kind of dreaming through a lot of the songs and you're hearing it from the arthur voices and i think that's pretty cool and there is an appearance here from special guest rodney gilfrey who is an american opera baritone who has also done a lot of musicals as well and of course you recognize him right away he's got the almost stereotypical opera voice and he kind of pops up in Muffy's dream and he ends up playing the lead in Carmen in the Elwood city uh, production of Carmen later. At first I thought he was uh, Francine's dad. (laughs) He does. He does have a very similar character model to him. Doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I suppose a better hairline, but he still just kind of looks like Francine's dad. I I wish it were Oliver. I wish it was like (laughs) Oliver was actually a trained opera singer. Uh, so Muffy still like she ends up having this dream and she was like that's amazing like I love I loved that uh, but she's still a little skeptical about whether or not she'll be able to enjoy opera or stay awake um, she kind of has this conversation with her mom so it's just Muffy and her dad going um, in fact she even gives her uh, opera glasses which I've never even, I don't think I've ever seen opera glasses in real life. I've always seen no, them yeah. in cartoons or in movies as like, ooh, what's going on over there? Like, <laughs> you know, a, a, like a rich signifier, kind of like going to the opera is. It's true. It's even crazier. Like in cartoons, like having them at the opera, I guess, is like a socially acceptable. But you're right. Cartoons have led me to believe that like rich people are just rocking those 24-7. Right. It's like uh, a monocle. If, if, if like they want to the, be nosy. It's like the only time I see a monocle these days is like the butcher on AEW. And like or, that's a that's a professional wrestler. So. Or if you want to be really rude to someone when they say something that you know is incorrect and you just respond with the monocle emoji. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's it. You're right. That's where I see it too. Professional wrestling and Twitter. Um, so, and, and basically the idea here is like Muffy is... Uh, you know, she's concerned that she won't be able to understand anything because it's all sung in Italian, but we, it's pretty simple. The message is we literally get like a, you never know until you try from Muffy's mom. I'm always here for a, you never know until you try story. Like it reminds me, like I imagine what this is. This is what I was like before I watched, um, like, like a subbed anime for the first time or wrestling in another language or like interacted with, uh, foreign films through my film degree. Uh, just kind of like, oh, is the language barrier, like, I really feel like that's going to be distracting. And then it's like, no, at, at least for me, it isn't. It's always been like, wow, the, they're telling amazing stories and language is not really the issue here through for one reason or another, depending on the medium that you're uh, interacting with. Yeah, no, no, that all makes sense. 
So, and it leads, pretty much the rest of the episode is Muffy watching Carmen and having these very, like, emotional reactions to it. She's, she loves the music. She's, you know, gasping at the appropriate time. She and Ed cry at the end. So it turns out that she actually really loves opera. It's a very sweet moment where, like, they're both, you know, crying at the end and, um, or no, it's when Muffy is, like, gasping at the sword fight and uh, Ed grabs her hand and they both kind of watch it together it's a very nice bonding moment and a very humane moment for ed and for muffy that we don't really see that much and the end of the episode is muffy being like sorry can't make it to the movies i have to go to the opera on friday i'm just like okay cool so she likes it and she also got a signed picture from rodney gilfrey that she's hanging up instead of the art that we saw in the cold open (laughs) So it's still hating on the end. The, the end, end of the day is like everybody still hates modern art, but subculture <laughs> is is okay. I love, one of my favorite things to wind up my wife with is whenever modern art comes up, and she's just like, you know, like she went to New York and she said like she went to MoMA, and she was just like that was a waste of time. Aw, I love I love the MoMA. Aw, like, and, and and I want to and I want to go to it too, but she's like it was a waste of time. It's just like it doesn't mean anything. It's just one of one of her <laughs> one of her nitpicks, I guess. Yeah. Someone someone doesn't like exploring the space. Uh... The space between spaces. <laughs> the space between spaces. <laughs> the the what was it? The dialectic between form and formlessness. Exactly. All right. Well, well, while you think on that, listener, and uh, listen to uh, our break here, we'll be right back with hey, an Arthur episode on Arthur. This podcast is supported by listeners like you, and here's how. Over on our social networks, you can follow us and find the latest updates and some fun photos. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits, at ECL Podcast on Twitter, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com, and Elwood City Limits on Instagram. You can support us monetarily by going over to patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. If you become a patron for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to exclusive audio content like our new PBS Kids show, movie reviews, and sneak previews of upcoming content. Support us as well by going to teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood city dash limits dash store or search Elwood City Limits on Teespring. Buy yourself a t-shirt, a tank top, or a hoodie with the Elwood City Limits logo or an exclusive design by our friend Josh. Elwood City Limits is available online at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits or you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. Is it not on your favorite app? Let us know. And you can always help us by spreading the word, tell your friends, and send Send us a message either on social media or an email, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your continued support. And now, let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back. Now, Lucas, you have made it clear that you are not... Um, you, you, you have not been pleased with the lack of Arthur content on a show called Arthur recently. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know... There's this guy, you know, he's got glasses, sometimes he punches people, he loves to read. I, I vaguely remember, I feel like we've spent a long enough time with him, this guy. He's like friends with all the same people we're friends with, but I, I just, I feel like we haven't seen him in a while. It's true, and finally, we're getting a little bit of a close-up here on the man who made this all possible with all worked up and uh and also I, i'll say this i'll say this will 
Yeah. Uh, I'd completely forgotten this was in this episode until I'm looking at the clip right now. It makes sense that we were talking about middling weird sci-fi movies because uh, this episode kind of starts with a mini one. Yeah, it's Arthur up in space and uh, Mom Reed is acting as mission control. And she's kind of, it's, it's essentially like illustrating the role that she has in Arthur's life of she kind of keeps everything together behind the scenes and allow Arthur, allows Arthur to reach reach for the stars, as it were. You know, she's putting out all these, she's literally like solving problems. She like saves Arthur from like a near-death situation. And then it's just like, oh, the laundry is done as well. Uh, really, the only the only big observation I had about this was, look at Pal in this little space suit. <laughs> Oh, he's so cute. But yeah, that's that's the idea, is that mom is the mission control of Arthur's life. And, you know, just like, mission control, you're the best, as he goes to take Pal for a walk in space. Well, it, it almost goes wrong, though. Yes. That, that, yeah, that's what I mean, is that she's kind of solving things from the ground and, like, I, I'm not even sure what goes wrong, but she, you know, does does the Jordy LaForge thing if she talks in techno babble and then figures it out. Uh-huh. I I, lo- I I enjoyed this. I thought this was a fun, memorable opener. Yeah, this is all right. And I mean, it got us pal in the spacesuit, so I'm perfectly content. <laughs> uh, so the matter of this episode is that Arthur has a quiz streak. Like he's done a bunch of tests back to back, to back in Mr. Ratburn's class and gotten A's or A pluses on them. So he his cl- Buster and Francine pick up the fact that he has a streak now. I think he's it's like five in a row or something. And, you know, they're asking him like, how do you, how'd you do it? Like, what's your, what's your ritual? And he's like, I don't really have one. I don't believe in, you know, streaks. And, and I was like, mm, Arthur, uh, pulling up the receipts here. Season one, episode, whatever. I seem to remember something about a magic pencil. Ooh. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like, I thought it was a little phony baloney for Arthur to be like, I don't believe in luck. But what I knew was going to happen was that as soon as Arthur, we, also, you never know, this could be the the chronology of Arthur is out, completely out of whack. This could have happened before the magic pencil for all we know. But I feel like the mere suggestion to Arthur that luck might exist and he he's going to take it way too seriously. Like I was like, Oh great. You mentioned a streak to him. Now his life is ruined. Now he's well, yeah. Cause at Francie, it's pretty serious about her streaks talking about how athletes don't change their socks or whatever. I would just say that at first it turns out that's not what this episode's about at all. At first I was initially worried cause I was like, this sure does seem like the magic pencil all over. Cause I feel like, at the start of the Magic Pencil episode, Arthur doesn't believe in the Magic Pencil's magic either, right? Like, I feel like that episode has a very similar trajectory where he's like, oh, whatever, yeah, the pencil's not that magic. And then eventually he gets, uh, like, Buster and everybody, like, fawning over it convinces him and he starts to buy into it. Yeah, exactly. So Arthur, you know, he's not even sure if if there was something in his life that caused a streak. Like, he doesn't even know what that would be. And uh, he's other than studying, which is the real answer. Uh, so at dinner that night, Mom Reed announces that she is going to be working from an office downtown for the next few weeks, which reminded me, like, I forget that Mom Reed is self-employed like she works as a as an accountant well, but you well often... self-employed but mostly she could work for fur but she's mostly uh 
like she's doing. Works she from does home. Right. She works from home, and she, with this one, she's like she got a new contract where she's working for a few weeks with an office. Yeah. And yeah, so self employed, but also like frequently does like contract work, and I'm sure yeah. probably does her own taxes since she's an accountant. And that part of her life is so is so not often brought up. And then I was like, wait a second. Like I have a new way to relate to the show because I too am self-employed and work from home. And I was like, I would love to get a cool contract like mom, even for a few weeks. Uh, she uh, says something about how excited she is to work in an office again. And uh, I'm sure you could speak to this too, Will, where you're yeah. like, uh, uh, you know, maybe working from home, you kind of crave the the structure and the normality of, of working from an office. But as someone who is currently working from an office and had kind of the inverse happen to me last week where I had the brief opportunity from working from home, I was like yelling at the screen being like, no, you fool. <laughs> like, you don't know how good you have it. No, don't I, get me. I, I, su- I suppose the grass is always greener. No, don't get me wrong. I have no desire to work in back in an office again. Like it's, it, it's more the idea of having steady work. Like I'd rather have that work at home. Yes. But I do not miss the office at all. So mom's going to be kind of out of commission for the regular role for a few weeks. So, you know, this is, this is initially a big shock to DW of like, who's going to watch Mary Moo Cow with me? But it's like, it's okay. You know, the dishes aren't going to like, they're not going to starve or anything like that. Mom's just not going to be around in the day, we, but we, she'll be there in the morning and there at night. There's this great moment where like, yeah, when DW is like shocked, where like time stops and, like, Arthur does little moments like this so, so well. Like, just, like, fun little animation, uh, uh, just kind of, like, scripting pacing moments where, like, the world stops. And, like, apropos of nothing, they zoom in on a drippy faucet and watch, mm-hmm. like, one drip drip down from the faucet. And I thought, like, oh, that's, like, just so smart for, like, a kid's show just to, like, hang on that moment like that. Like, a kid probably, yeah. like, doesn't appreciate that joke as much as... Uh, uh, this is playing into that first episode where it's like, with my adult sensibilities, I really, really appreciated uh, the way they conveyed sort of the kid's shock. I think that's a good point. And to be honest with you, I didn't even really notice it myself, but I'm seeing it kind of watching it in the background here. That's a re- that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, so that is a big change that's happening in Arthur's life. He He's taking it fine. Like, it doesn't really bother him too much. Uh, but he has a pop quiz about a reading that he that he was supposed to do uh, the next day in class, and he ends up getting a C on it. So then his streak is broken, unfortunately, uh, f- uh, five and one. So uh, he's uh, starts to think about like what might be going differently in his uh, in his in his life that might be making this change. Uh, so dad is kind of taking over some of mom's roles. Like for example, he is making their lunch, which comes to Arthur. Like it's like this sweet baguette sandwich wrapped in like a swan napkin. Yeah. I thought this was like, like, what's they're like, what's that? He's like, my dad packed my lunch. And I'm like, wouldn't you want that? So I'm glad that you pointed that out because I thought that was weird as well. I like they're what they're trying to do with this quick montage is kind of just convey like how things are different with Arthur's mob. But if they're trying to make things seem bad, uh, they failed miserably because like I guess typical Arthur, he's worried about what other people think. I uh, I would be stoked. <laughs> I would be over the moon. You know what I this mean? Sa- this sandwich looks great, and like it's not even like oh no, my dad made like tuna upchuck surprise or whatever the hell it's just it's like it's a perfectly acceptable sandwich like on a baguette and it's just like yeah he didn't make anything weird and you're still complaining about it 
but that's kids, I guess. Uh, it's also changed because Arthur and DW get into a fight, and uh, they call for mom, but then remember she's not there, so they have to call for dad. Which I love that. I love that them calling for mom is like the show's in joke. Like they've poked fun at that before, and it's uh, uh, just something that they keep doing, but also like hang a lampshade on from time to time. You, you know, he's kind of talking about how weird things are with Buster and Binky. And, you know, and Buster's like, Binky apparently had a point where his mom was working a bit more, but they had more money coming in so they could buy like a new TV and stuff like that. And Buster's like, yeah, that might mean that you have to eat takeout a bit more. And again, I'm like, that sounds great. I would love to eat takeout more. I'm always a fan of more takeout. So far, I love love home-cooked meals. Don't get me wrong, but like. Don't threaten me with a good time of like Chinese food three nights a week. Sign me up. No, I I, I don't disagree. I think uh, uh, they're really not making the most of this situation. You know, when life gives you lemons and all that. Yeah, absolutely. This kind of leads into the dream that Arthur has that night, which is, you know, the kind of the worst case scenario of what happens when mom gets like this high powered job that she doesn't want to leave. Like he he says at one point, like, what if my mom doesn't want to leave? And I'm like, well, good news is it's she said it's a contract for a few weeks. So she's gonna like I don't. like. Yeah, but I think Arthur like the, the, this plays kind of into like the kids misunderstanding of how sure. that stuff works, because yeah. I think I think uh, Buster, I think someone mentions that whether it's Arthur or Buster, he's like, well, it's only a temporary contract. And I think Buster, he's like, well, yeah, but what if she likes it so much? And I, just, I think that's that can be explained away as like kids don't know how jobs work. That's true. But like at the end of the episode mom mom is like yeah i decided i didn't really like working in an office and i'm like so what you gave up on the you have two weeks left on that just ride it out oh no i just assumed like this episode takes a place over the course of three weeks all right okay fair that that could absolutely be true so in this dream basically uh the house is a mess dad's dad makes this weird like meatloaf thing for dinner and mom is this like high powered like apparently like she became the president of the company or something because she keeps taking these phone calls and being like this minor thing is wrong you're fired you did you made this minor screw up you're fired it's very leading, Vince McMahon esque, yes. Leading, leading to, leading to Arthur giving her somewhat warm coffee, and she's like, "Our, this coffee isn't hot, Arthur. You're fired." Uh, yeah, and then, as, as she's about to climb into a chopper to get to a meeting in Crown cl- cl- City, climbing out of the window to get into the chopper. Um, there's, just, there's just a note here of like, I know this is this is Arthur's dream, but it's interesting how. Arthur and DW don't like to give dad his due as a provider. It's not just the fact that like sometimes he makes weird food, but it's like the fact that the, basically the house becomes a pigsty without mom there. I just, I would really hope that, you know, we've got lots and lots of seasons of Arthur left to go. I would love to see an episode where they talk about gender roles sometime. Oh, interesting. Because, because I feel like, I mean, and I'm not expect like, I'm not, you know, slapping the episode's wrist because it's not woke or something like that. But it's just like, I would hope that we get to that at some point because I feel like, you know, as an older show, Arthur can sometimes be like, yeah, the mom does the cooking and cleaning and dad kind of does, you know, uh, the more manly stuff. Which I, they, I, I which, see which, what which, you're which, wait, 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 wait. Which it does kind of... um. All, which it already kind of jumps over because dad is a caterer, so he makes food professionally. But but right here it's like, well, mom cleans everything, and dad apparently does jack. So 
uh it's 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 not a huge problem or anything i just it just kind of made me hope that sometime hopefully i'd like to see how arthur can tackle the way the issue of gender roles in a way that kids can understand because you can totally do that no no i see what you're saying you're like you're not calling it sexist or anything you're just saying uh these early episodes of arthur they have big like cascade commercial energy where it's like (laughs) Oh, I, I don't know how to do the dishes. Oh, I'm so stupid. I understand. I just, I just got spots. What? They're not supposed to have spots? I don't understand how it works. Well, yes, and this is also Arthur's imagination. So, again, I'm not expecting an eight-year-old to be, like, completely up on gender stereotypes and stuff like that. So he's just like... Yeah, mom does the cooking and cleaning and takes care of the baby, and dad does other stuff. Whereas, you know, dad pr- takes care of Kate throughout the episode. He's taken care of Kate dozens of times, and et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, just uh, hope we see that at some point uh, from a episode of Arthur a bit later on. Uh, another sign of mom's change is that she gets a new hairdo, which completely surprises the kids. And I also, I completely relate to this, because I remember... Um, my dad, when I was little, like had a certain pair of glasses he would wear, but then every once in a while he would switch it up and wear another pair, and he looked like a completely different person to me. Oh yeah, fit check on Arthur's mom. Like she's she's she looks like she goes to uh, the local art school in town, NASCAD. Like I could see her <laughs> taking one of those mirror selfies where she puts her foot up on the counter. You know what I'm saying? Where this get up? Oh uh, man, we, she got the bob. She's got the bell bottoms. This is a sick fit. Right on. Um, yeah, so th- mom has this new do, and she's talking with DW in the bathroom about how, you know, uh, one of the things that DW apparently does with mom is watch Mary Moo Cow. And, he's, and she says, dad doesn't even like Mary Moo Cow, which I was like, newsflash kid, neither does your mom. But mom puts on the puts on a good face and she's like some people just don't understand the you know the inner complexities of mary mukau and i was like really good answer she handled it very very well so in order to to kind of help dw acclimate to this a little more she nominates her as her personal assistant which dw takes on for the rest of the episode great career goal for her i think that she very much has the energy and the uh assertive nature to be an effective personal assistant um, so I love this whole section, right, with this, like, DW being the personal assistant because, um, like, for a couple of reasons, I, I think that um, the way we think and talk about, like, office culture – uh, has really changed since the late 90s and early 2000s. I don't know mm-hmm. where I saw this, but there's I, it might be a rigor thing or something, but there was some YouTube video about how, like, there's a bunch of movies in the late 90s all about offices, and that okay. kind of thing has gone away. You know, there's, like, Office Space and, um, you know, the start of The Matrix and... and uh, yes. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking, but there's, like, a bunch of these movies that sure, are all, like, sure. kind there of fetishized... There was an adaptation of Hamlet that took place in an office. Yeah, they like fetishized '90s office culture, and yeah. and to an extent, the early 2000s too. And so this whole like sequence is kind of like the last bastion of that, where we don't have these kind of like office hijinks anymore. Where it's like Bob sending DW a fax that says like "Stop calling me at work." Uh, I think DW says control, something about yeah, control uh, center. She doesn't say battle station. I think she says this is my control center or something. But 
But all I could think about was like DW <laughs> taking a picture of that desk and posting it on Reddit R slash battle stations, like where everybody posts their like, oh, here's my three monitor like water cooled PC. Right. And it's just like a picture of DW's it's, desk. I also found it interesting here. There's a moment that mom has with Arthur where he's trying to do his homework and he's a bit standoffish, but she asks him like what he's doing, and then that kind of leads to him telling telling her that like I don't like that you are that you took this job because you're away all the time and things are different now. And it's interesting that we had to kind of frame this around Arthur having a streak because it's a pretty understandable thing for kids to be upset about that you could just kind of tackle on its own without you, not to, not to say that the streak thing yeah. is like it's bad that they did it. It's just interesting that they felt that they um wanted to include that because I feel like the more interesting part of this episode is Arthur being more upset than he realizes that mom isn't around in the way that she is. And I think that's a very relatable anxiety for a child to have. I like, I'm, I think I probably had that. Yeah. I I think, and that's kind of why they have to use this framing of the streak. They actually do Arthur, his due diligence of making him see kind of more adult than DW. And that, like you said, it would make sense that DW would be so upset when I was DW's age, I would get mad with like, my parents would drive each other's cars. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like you can't drive that. That's mom's car. Like just these irrational, like you, you, you crave Mm -hmm. these kind of patterns and systems. Whereas like Arthur's older enough that he like, he should be able to just kind of get by with his mob going to work all the time. So that's probably why they had to introduce this concept of like the streak to make Arthur uncomfortable because otherwise it just right. would make him seem and, immature. But, but I still think it's, it's pretty related and like they handled it fairly well. And like his talk that he has with mom in his kind of dark room, I thought was very down to earth and I really appreciated it. So when mom's kind of away, like you said, there's the gag of DW continually calling mom and then getting a fax uh, to stop calling her. They're trying to both monopolize the kitchen table. Like Arthur needs to do is needs to study for a test, but DW needs it for her control center. And then they accidentally end up breaking the egg timer that Arthur is using to time his studying. But then he realizes that DW can count to ten which I think is something fairly new. So he uses her as like a human egg timer. Like, so he'll like do 10 seconds on one page and then go to the next one. And he used that to test himself and they end up working together and it leads to a more effective form of studying that they kind of just come to by accident. This whole argument, like with Arthur coming to the realization, like they're annoying each other and she starts counting. um, There's this great low angle that I love where it's like the shot is below Arthur and DW. And it's one of those things where it's like usually cartoon characters because of their 2D, you're used to only seeing them from certain perspectives. So when you Mm -hmm. see them from a different perspective, they look weird. And this like shot from below DW and Arthur where it's like the bottoms of their mouths is like kind of crazy looking. Like it makes them look like uh, uh, Muppets or something. But I was just like, I was like, oh, like this is like a fun little, another just fun little artistic choice of like, let's have this weird like, Citizen Kane camera in the ground low angle for this convo. Yeah, it, se- it seems the animators were given a little bit more freedom to kind of do things a little bit differently. That's not that's not uh, that's uh, not a bad thing at all. And so the end of the episode is Arthur and DW going into mom and dad's room while they're sleeping on like a Saturday or something. And Arthur got an A plus on his most recent test, which means that the streak is back. And it's kind of like. You know, they were able to do it themselves despite the changes in Arthur's life. And then mom reveals that "Ah, she doesn't really like she didn't like working in an office as much as she thought. So everything's going back to normal. 
Um, I remember seeing this, these final like 15 seconds. I saw this so many times when flipping through the channels. Like, really? This, this is kind of strange. Like, it's, it's that whenever I would see, oh, it's the end of an Arthur episode, what's going on? And then it would be this one. And it's like, you got an A plus on this test at DW going, we have a streak, we have a streak. And I'm like, what happened in this episode? Like seeing that yeah. removed from is, context. Is DW like, talking about like a, a, a sports event in the seventies yeah. and like someone's running naked across the field? Well, like well, what is the... it, It's like, why is mom in bed and why does she look sick? Like, why are they talking about a streak? Like, what is any of this? And this was after I'd stopped watching Arthur. So I was like, I don't know what any of this means. So this was cool to finally get the context for what it all meant. Like seeing that for years, the tail end of that episode and never understanding it. And and great visual gag here, just a little fun cherry on top where we get the uh, the circle like closing in to cl- close the episode. And it just closes it on like Arthur's dad just sleeping through this whole thing. Yeah, good on him. He's clearly been through he's clearly been through the ringer. That's a skill. That is a dad skill right there. All right, that's the end of that episode. Let's take a look back at Lights Camera Opera. How did this one strike you? I liked this episode. I thought it was a good use of Buffy. I thought it was like a really odd choice of subject matter. Like I don't know what the moral of this episode is. I suppose like you said it's like try something before you write it off. Uh, but like the subject matter of like, yeah, like the opera, like high art culture, that's, that could be funny, but though it seems boring. I was like, yeah, okay. Like I was here for it. I, I think this episode, I, it's definitely like anything I know about Carmen. I definitely knew from watching this episode as a kid and never, you know, looked up more about. So, uh, it was fun to return to kind of my one reference point for this famous thing. Uh, and I think that that's valuable in itself that's like educating kids on this thing that they're not going to learn about otherwise so and i like binky's role as like the kind of guy who likes opera uh i liked all the gags with the modern art i love like the musical sequences i think it's a fun episode it, it goes by really quickly um sometimes like the, the episodes with like the second half is all parody like they tend to drag i think mm. um but this one like it's like done in a blink of an eye i thought it was paced really well it's it's not like my favorite or anything but i think it's a really good episode I liked it. Um, I, I like again. It's one of those weird, out of nowhere of just like, "Hey, kids, want to learn about opera?" And like, uh, okay. And I feel like this is becoming a calling card of of Arthur. Is that every once in a while they they you learn about something either as a kid or as an adult that you're like, I have no idea why this is here, but I'm happy to learn more about it, I guess. And it was kind of interesting, especially to see how they presented it to kids. I'm so curious about the backstage elements of this. I'd love to talk to somebody who was involved in the making of this episode and kind of how, like what it took because it's the, the songs that they create are much more involved. I'm sure it involved a lot more singing on people's parts. And I'm just really curious how it all came together. But like I said, I love, I love it when the message is try something because you never know if you'll like it or not because honestly it's true and it never stops being true no matter what age you're at. And we all get kind of stuck in like, "Eh, I I don't want to do that or like I don't want to try that. But, you know, it's really good to kind of get out of your comfort zone every now and then and just say that you did at least even if you don't like it. So I appreciate that still being uh, a lesson that's taught. Um, I liked talking about... uh, (sighs) Whatever the hell the name of that episode was. Uh, oh, uh, uh, it's called All Worked Up, which isn't a great... I can see why you forgot yeah. that title. 
I, I like talking about All Worked Up. In fact, I think I like it better now that we have kind of talked it through a bit more. I felt that the problem for me was kind of something I already mentioned is that the real heart of this episode is Arthur's life changing in a way and him reacting to that. And it's kind of done through this lens where it's I found I found the whole thing about the test streak a little bit distracting. And because by the time they got into, you know, Arthur, you know, the surprisingly sincere scene where Arthur is like, I don't like that you're not here anymore. And I was like, oh, this is what this episode was about. I kind of got fooled by what it was before. I think there's a lot of fun parts, and I'm really glad that you called out the animation. Um, I think I wish that was something I noticed a bit more on my watch of it, but I see what you're talking about. But I thought there were some good gags. Um, I And I did like the message that part of this episode was about, but then I felt like it kind of undercut itself at times. So uh, I liked what it tried to do, but I don't think it was completely successful. Otherwise, it's 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 fine. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's an interesting subject matter to tackle. Lots of cool things like in terms of like having a parent that works from home, having your parents kind of work situation changed. Uh, Again, much like tackling opera, a fun like kind of childhood lesson that only really I've seen tackled by Arthur, right? Not seen by any other kind of equivalent kid show. Uh, That being said, I feel like this one wasn't as much of a home run as uh, Lights, Camera, Opera. Like, there are parts where it's a little bit slower, it drags a little bit, or it's a little bit predictable. Uh, But like you said, some really fun, like, animation moments in this one. Um, I guess not, like, basically, not as much as a, a slam dunk, but still both kind of enjoyable, totally passable episodes. Yeah, there you go. It's it, it, not not the strongest week, but also not the weakest. There's definitely a lot to talk about there. And speaking of a lot to talk about, well, we're out of things to talk about for this edition of the show. Thank you very much for joining us for this one. But, you know, I'm really looking forward to what we've got next, coming up next week on Patreon, because next week is our Patreon week, which means we are going back to the as-yet-untitled PBS Kids uh, podcast, and this one was a Lucas choice. We're going to be talking about Fetch with Ruff Ruffman, which I Ooh. didn't know was a game show. Oh yes, it's 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 uh uh what's it called? Like uh oh adjacent in terms of children's game. Oh, shows. now we're talking. All right, so yeah, we're going to be talking about an episode of Fetch with Ruff Ruffman, and that's over on Patreon.com/slash Elwood City Limits. If you want to uh, hear all of the upcoming episodes of the PBS Kids podcast. And of course, when we return to ECL in two weeks' time, we will be talking about... Why did I close my notes for this? I know! I I closed my notes too! (laughs) I'm like trying to find the quote. I'm like scanning through the episode. Anyway. Uh, So yeah, we are going to be talking about the episode titled, Arthur Makes Waves and It Came From Beyond. So there you go! It looks like we've got another Arthur episode in the chamber. Let's hope they're here to stay. They heard. They heard us. They heard you. So they're listening to you. We have to. We have to keep that in mind. So d- <laughs> don't don't say anything too loud if you don't want it to happen on the show because it might just. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> no pressure. All right, that's going to do it here for Elwood City Limits. Thanks everybody for listening, and uh, it's good to good to have you back, Lucas. As much as I liked having Andrew here on the show, it's not the same without you 
Good to be back. I can't find my notes, but I, I believe at some point Muffy says something about how she looks like pudding in her new dress. Something to that extent. Yeah, it, yeah it's like Prunella says, like you, or Francine says, like you look like tapioca pudding or rice there pudding or something like that. So just, just picture I, I chirped in with that at the All end right. of the episode. So that's Lucas Mancini. My name's Will Young. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.